0: Well, hey, you guys! I don't know if you missed it. Some of you might have missed it. In case you missed it, uh, last night, do you like? First of all, you like the vibe in here today. We got the the nice Christmas ambiance going. Uh, Mitch actually built this sweet manger scene behind us, and um, so in case you did miss it, the most anticipated Christmas event in all of Mason took place right here at Axis Church. I don't know if you missed it, but uh, the reenactment, the AXIS Kids reenactment of the Christmas story right here. Look at that cast of characters. and That's a good looking bunch right there. And if you look at that cast of characters and you know any of those kids, you know that like it could get interesting, right? Like, And, it, and I was actually hoping for that. I was banking on it. And uh, the team, first of all, if you guys weren't here, they did just an awesome job last night. Just to give them a quick shout out, uh, the children's team and their volunteers. Yeah. just a really cool event. Well received. We had something like 80 people in this room hanging out to just to watch this story unfold here on stage. And uh, Santa showed up. We had all kinds of cool activities for the kids as we prepare for Christmas. And so it was just an awesome event. They did a really cool job. And uh, I was excited to get to see particularly this event, uh, the the performance. And I had a wise man. I don't know if you can see him in there. I had a wise man uh, in the show. And so getting to watch him. Uh, perform. And uh, so I was here for the rehearsal, which was fun. And Jonathan did a really good job just uh, directing that. And it's interesting when you direct from like babies and toddlers all the way up to, like, elementary. So it was really fun for me to get to watch Jonathan, like, try to get everybody in the right place at just the right time. It's a tricky thing. So he did a really good job at that. And uh, I was actually, I didn't tell him this, but I was hoping something would go wrong. Like, I, that's really why I show up to kids' shows, because I'm like, we got, this is, like, a recipe for something awesome to happen. And so I was, I was cheering against you in that regard. I was like, something cool is going to happen. And so uh, there were some moments, right, that, since I got to see the whole rehearsal, I knew where everybody was supposed to be standing and when they were supposed to be standing there. And so I got to see every missed cue. And it was funny because, like, the kids, they're like they like, wait, is now, that? that's? I think that's my line. So, like, move over to here. And then, you know, all, it, was, it was great. There was so many different moments like that. But they did such an awesome job. And uh, I won't point anybody in particular out, but one of the particular wise men, not naming any names, he was handing his gift over to Jesus, and he just splat dropped it right on the floor. So... That was that was a, a great moment for me, and uh, it was funny, too, because during the whole rehearsal, he was just like, he, he's like, just giving me one of these, like, like I got this, Dad, I got this, and uh, he, was, he was doing great. He told me later that he was a little bit nervous, like, he's like, all oh, those people, and I'm like, really, you nervous? I don't believe it, you know, but great show, really great time, and uh, I would say that uh, while very high on the performance scale, our our performance was a little bit short of perfection. We we didn't hit all of our cues, that's okay, it was an awesome time anyway, but when we think about what we're about to talk about in the next several weeks, when we think about the scene that actually unfolded um, that very first Christmas, we know that that was absolute perfection. It was absolutely perfect in the way that God expected it to be. God's entrance into our world was absolutely perfect. And that's really what this series, this next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at uh, the essence of God's perfect gift. And next week, we're going to be looking at his perfect plan, and then we're going to be looking at his perfect, perfect purpose, and then really celebrating the essence of this perfect gift. And Galatians 4 is really going to provide for us the framework for the series. Listen to these words in Galatians 4, 1 through 7. It says this, but when the, t- when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So we're going to be looking at really driving down to the heart of this passage and its connection to to Christmas over the next couple weeks. But when we really think about the ultimate gift, the perfect gift that we got to see come into our world on Christmas Day, um, I want to take a step back and and look at the perfect giver behind the perfect gift. And James tells us that there is a perfect giver behind every perfect gift. In James 1.17 it says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And so before we fully understand the gift that was given, let's look at the giver behind the gift. God is the only perfect giver. The truth is, some of you guys are really good givers. Some of you are in the category of, hey, I'm a really good gift giver. Uh, I I get a good one every now and again where I'm like, yes, I got it. You know, and then there's a lot of like, I have a a nice dry season where I'm like, I don't know what to get people. Uh, But some of you are just like, it's like you just have this instinct to be like, that for that person, like that's the, that will be the gift that they love. And so we're all really, many of us are really, really good gift givers. But what I want to tell you today is there's only one perfect gift giver. God is the only true and perfect gift giver. And so what I want to do is give you three characteristics that make God the ultimate and most perfect gift giver. Things that are embedded in his divine nature that make him the only perfect giver. So we're going to look at a few of those things together today. The first thing that makes God the perfect gift giver is this. God's intention is perfect. God's intention is absolutely perfect. Just listen to the words of John 1, 14 through 18, and I want you to see if you can bring to the surface here God's intention in sending Jesus into the world. It says, the word Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have, received all, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God is in closest relationship with the Father who has made him known. And in the scripture here in John, we see that God reveals to us his perfect motive in sending Jesus to the earth. It's out of his fullness, right? We read this, out of his fullness we, we have received this gift of grace. Out of his fullness we have received. Out of his goodness he gave, right? We see this right here. In this, out of his perfect nature he gave. And sometimes we think it's maybe out of something that we earned or something that we deserved or maybe it's out of his obligation that he gave this gift to the world. But here we read it's just out of his fullness, out of his overflowing love for us, God gave. God's motive simply put, love, which is evident in how intentionally he was in presenting this gift to the world. Listen how 1 John 4, 9 through 10 puts it. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So it's out of love that God gave us this incredible, this perfect gift. And I just, I'm going to go ahead and uh, make a confession for you guys today. Saddle up. The truth is, the person that does most of the shopping at our house is Jess. That's just the truth. When it comes to Christmas gifts, she's the better gift giver. Like, I know this. And so, I just like, she's like, should I get that? Whatever you think, babe. Like, you got this. So, she's in the driver's seat when it comes to, every now and again, she'll ask me for my opinion or my thought. But the truth is, she does most of the shopping. So, often what will happen is someone will open a gift that on the tag says, from Josh and Jess on Christmas, And the truth is, as they're opening it, I'm just as much anticipating, like, what did I get them? You know, like, what's going to be in there? And so then they open the gift, and they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's a good idea. And they'll come to me, and they'll say, Josh, thank you so much. Like, I I just really appreciate this gift that you got. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, the thing from the place. Like, yeah, I'm glad you really liked that. Like, that's, that's awesome. Now, I might have paid for the gift, right? So I contributed in that way. But the truth is, I put zero thought or heart into it. My mom was sitting in here first hour, and I'm like, Mom, I promise I'll get you a gift from myself in my own heart this year, I promise. And, uh, but she's the one that puts all the heart into it, right? So She gets to take joy in the exchange because she's the one that has, has thought about this gift for somebody and gets to give it to them. So there you go. That's my confession. If you get a gift that says from jo- Josh and Jess this year, you know that it's really from Jess because she is the one who's put her heart into it. You know, God, as we see here in in John and in 1 John, we see a God who delights in giving good gifts. Gifts that he pre-thought, gifts that come from his perfect intentions for us. And it's the thought and the heart that counts the most. You see, when God presented his gift to the world, his intentions for humanity, his intentions for you and for me were made powerfully clear. God is the perfect giver because his gift is born truly out of love. And Paul highlights this when he raises this question, a question that we would all be smart to consider. And in Romans 8.32, Paul raises this question. He says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So if you're questioning God's intention today, if you're questioning God's heart or God's motive in your life today, let me bring you back to that idea, that thought. The God who was... Not, was willing to, to, to send his very self, his very son, to give up his life for you, how will he not graciously give you all things? You see, God's heart and motive is completely perfect and pure. But it's not the only perfect thing. His, pers- or his perspective is also perfect. And it takes a perfect perspective to give us a perfect gift as well. So God's perspective is perfect. In Isaiah 46, 19, it says this, who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Those of you that appreciate irony understand that, right? He's saying like, who, whoever instructed the Lord, whoever gave counsel to God, nobody. Why? Because God is the one that has perfect wisdom, perfect perspective. He sees all things. He knows all things things that's a simple way of saying God is a good giver because he always knows what is best for you and for me he has the per- past present and future and perfect view there is nothing that he does not know about your life what you will face your future he knows every single detail of your life every hair on your head and he's the perfect one to be the one that brings every good and perfect gift into your life because he truly knows what is best for you You might think you know what is best for you, but God is the one that has the better view of your life, of your future, and of your current situation. There's nothing that he doesn't know. The theological word there is omniscient. That God is an omniscient God. Perfect perspective. This time of year, I always love because they really, and they do it all year, but they really ramp up the commercials for kids right they're like okay like the marketers are like I know we got to get to these little ones like you know we got a few more weeks till Christmas this is shopping season and so the the stuff is just on the screen over and over again and it'll be I'll I'll be standing in the kitchen I'll hear some like you know hype like song come on and I'll be hanging out and I'll hear like And this truck is awesome. It, like, crashes through walls. It jumps over things. It goes. And I'm like, I just know as soon as I hear that, I'm going to look over and I'm going to see two little guys in the living room like, and I know what's coming next, right? I know what's coming next. And that's going to be Dad, I want that, right? Dad, give me that. Can we get that? And now they know now that my answer is always going to be this. My cop-out answer is always like, maybe for your birthday. Like maybe. Or maybe for Christmas. Like just, you know, maybe. We'll see. And that's really like just buying me sometimes. Like, bro, you don't need that. Like so. But so now they'll say like, and he'll be like, hey, maybe for my birthday. Like he'll be like, maybe for my, And now Eli too. Birthday? birthday and I was like he's showing me weird things like I know he doesn't even like and now he's like so trained to do it that like it won't even be a commercial and he'll just be like birthday birthday like I don't think you get it buddy but like he you know these things will be so cool but I know in my not perfect perspective but I have a fuller perspective of this and I know that like a lot of that stuff's just gonna break those things aren't even any good like a lot of this stuff is not even some of it might be cool but that's not even that cool and so now this year, Aiden's been like, hey, I want this for Christmas or whatever. And I'll be like, I've already got you the coolest gift. Like, you're never going to believe. And it's true. I picked him something. I'm not going to tell you because I don't want you to tell him. But it's a cool gift. And it's something. No, buddy, trust me. What Daddy's got for you is way cooler than that. Just wait. If you could just wait till Christmas, what Daddy's got for you is so much cooler than that. So much better than that. And when we really think about God, when we think about his perfect perspective in our life, his fuller perspective, how often do we go and just be like, oh, man, I want that. That's the thing that I want, God. Like, if you could just give me that thing, everything would be okay. Life would work out if I just had that one particular thing. If you just fulfill this one desire for me, God, I won't make any other wishes, I promise. And God's like, okay, well, God, what about for my birthday, right? What, maybe maybe a little bit later I could have that particular thing, right? And we plea and we bargain, with God. Jess and I were sitting this past week just together. It was a really uh, just cool moment that we got to have sitting by the Christmas tree, opening up the scripture together and just chatting a little bit. And I love those moments. And we have great conversations that come out of those moments. And the conversation that came up this past week was, what if God had given us everything that we had asked for? And and that's true for both of us. If I look back at my life, and we were just sharing different things, like, well, this would have happened, right? And we would have been in this place doing this thing. And what if God had given us every single thing that we had asked for? And as we look back on our life, we're like, I'm so glad that he didn't. I'm so glad that God didn't give me that at that time, and I'm so glad that God didn't give me that. Instead, he looked at me, and he said, Josh, I've got something better for you. Jess, we've got something better for you. If you guys would just hang in there with us. There's something so much cooler coming your way. And so now my prayer has shifted a little bit. Now I still, and we all should, God tells us to ask, right? You, you receive not because you ask not, but we should continue to ask those things. And we should continue to, to just pour our heart out to God for the things that we desire and let him sort those things out. But along with that, my prayers have changed, and now I, I just find myself consistently praying for God's provision and his divine providence. And what I'm asking God to do is, God, give me everything that you think is best for me. Not just the things that I want, God, but give me the things that I need. Give me the things that, that, that are the best for me. Not just my weak desires, God, but the things that you have in store for me. And so I pray for his provision in that. And I pray for his providence that God will work out the details of my life and, and carry those things out in just the right way. So, God, give me your provision. Give me your providence in my life because we ultimately believe what Romans eleven thirty three says it says oh the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God it's like Paul just breaks out into worship in this verse oh the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out exclamations are in the passage I didn't add that right because Paul is just blown away by God's wisdom, his knowledge. That if, even if we tried to trace out what God was doing, we couldn't, right? A lot of times we can look back and be like, oh, that's what God was doing. That's what God was doing in that season. That's the place that he was bringing me to. The general of the Confederate Army, Robert E. Lee, he wrote about a God who he believed knew best. And after the Union Army defeated them, here's the words that he wrote. He said, we failed. But in the good providence of God, apparent failure often proves a blessing. It's a humble thing to say after you've been defeated to say, "Yep, we failed, but in the good providence of God, apparent failure often proves a blessing." That's a belief in God's providence to trust that God ultimately knows what's best, that his view is the better view, his view is the fuller view, his way is perfect. King David also appreciated God's divine hand. He said this, "God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises proved true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock. God, God arms me with strength and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. God is a perfect giver because his perspective is perfect. He knows exactly what we need. But God doesn't just know exactly what we need. He knows exactly when we need it. The third aspect of God's nature that makes him a perfect giver is that God's timing is perfect. As we say, God's never early, he's never late, God is always right on time. And in Galatians 4, 1 through 4, the passage just preceding the passage that we're going to be digging into here throughout this series, it says this. Paul says, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father and so he's sort of alluding to the old testament here that sort of operated as a guardian and trustee until the set time so also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world but when the set time had fully come God sent his son at just the right time at just the right moment when the time had fully come There are two words for time in the scripture. The first is kairos, and kairos is this idea that there's this moment of opportunity, and it says you seize this divine moment of opportunity. Kronos, on the other hand, is the other word, and it refers to sequential time. It's like a story plot unfolding. It refers to a specific time in a series of events. And the word that we're looking at here in Galatians is this word Chronos. So in other words, God isn't just saying I, just, I see my window of opportunity, and in this moment, I'm going to seize this opportunity. Ready, Jesus, here's the moment. Ready, set, go. That's not what this alludes to. Instead, Kronos means that God precisely planned the time and sequence in which his greatest gift would be revealed. With God's infinite knowledge and his infinite perspective, he set the specific time when the greatest impact would be made. At just the right time culturally, just the right time politically, just the right time historically, God sent his son into the world. God was right on time. Last night we got to go to what uh, many of you know, this is my favorite uh, Christmas tradition, is the Lebanon Horse Parade. Anybody else go to the Lebanon Horse Parade? All right, you got it next year. All right, next year, mark it down. It's always the first week in December. Um, Lebanon Horse Parade and Axis Performance, two things that got to be on your Christmas to-do list. Uh, but we went uh, last night, and the night parade's really cool uh, because everything's lit up. And I'm like a little kid all over again when I get to go to this parade. And we didn't even have our kids with us, but I'm like, I'm the kid. Like, did you see that one, you know? And there's, like, all kinds of horses from all kinds of farms all over, and there's all these, like, little, there's mini horses, you know, just running along with their little legs. Like, I'm like, how do they even, like, pull, like somebody like three times their size and they're just little legs moving along the ground and then there's like these really like eloquent horses that like dance they're like you know like kind of like that it's pretty good pretty good impression I think uh yeah thank you right on point um but as those other horses are coming like those are all cool but it's really this moment that I'm waiting for like, I know there's this moment coming, because it comes every single year, but there's this moment coming when the Clydesdales are going to roar down the street. And there's all these bells on there, and they're big, and they're just so cool looking as they come down the street. And as they do, the crowd just erupts in celebration, like, yeah, like, this is the moment, the Clydesdales are here. and, and that, Or maybe just me, I'm just having, and like, Jess, like, calm down, it's okay, you know, it's going to be all right. But I love that because all throughout the parade you're like, "Okay, I know that moment's coming," right? And then a little mini horse will come back like, "Okay, not it's not yet." I'm looking around the corner like, "Not yet. Not yet." And then the big moment arrives and here it is. The Clydesdales marching down the street. And as I think about how God unfolded his plan at just the right chronos time, at just the right moment. You see throughout history God foreshadowed a moment when the world would be turned upside down. From the beginning of time, God foreshadowed a time, and we see it even in Genesis where he he talks about this time when he would crush the serpent's head, right? You might bruise her heel, but I will crush his head, the head of the serpent. And all throughout the prophets, we see that there's this, not yet, not yet, right? It's coming and there's this foreshadowing that continues to build. And the prophets talk about this time when the Messiah, when the time is set. At just the right moment, God will enter into our world. He's going to send a Messiah on our behalf to rescue us, to redeem us, to help us to overcome the power of the enemy. And we continue to get all these signals throughout the scripture as guideposts along the way that say, hey, there's this time coming. It's not here yet. It's not here yet. It's not here yet. And when God invades the world. It's not some giant parade or some moment of of grand occasion. It's not a big parade of people standing around, but it's in the humblest of ways, born to a virgin in a manger. I mean, can you imagine? But at just the right time, God sent his son to us. God became one of us that he could rescue us from the plans of the enemy. I don't know how many of you guys are Narnia fans, but I love, I've read the books now, and I, I, I like to sometimes around Christmas time go back and reread some of the Narnia books, and uh, I, I've seen a lot of the movies, um, and this is a great time, a year two to to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, like I just love um, that, that movie. And uh, so I'll watch it a lot of times around this this season. But I love it because C.S. Lewis he really captures the kingdom of God just so eloquently and creatively in the Chronicles of Narnia. And when the kids first venture into Narnia, it's a cold and desolate place. It's under the command of the White Witch, and there's famine and endless winter and suffering and and starvation. And it's the Narnians are waiting, but they know of a time that is coming when the winter will end because they've, ri- they've heard the prophecy, they understand the prophecy, and one day they know that at just the right time, the winter will end, Aslan will defeat the white witch claiming his rightful throne. And as the time draws near, the seasons begin to change, the snow starts to melt, and they see this unfolding around them, and they can't make sense of it all. And they're continuing to ask these questions with just this sense of wonder. Like, who's this Aslan that you speak of? Who is, who's this? He's a lion. And they continue to ask all these questions. And the beaver helps the kids discover the important moment that is at hand. He says, listen, he's the king. He's the lord of the whole wood. But not often here, you understand, never in my time or my father's time. But the word has reached us that he's come back. He is in Narnia at this moment. And as they continue to venture forward, there's all the snow is now beginning to, to melt off. And we see Father Christmas roll in on his sleigh, and he enthusiastically declares this. He says, I've come at last, said he. She's kept me out for a, while, a long time, but I've got in at last. Aslan is on the move. The witch's magic is weakening I love this picture of God entering into our world. At just the right time, God moved in. He doesn't needlessly delay. Rather, he prepares for the right moment. And when it was announced that the Messiah had come, the enemy's power was weakening. And as Jesus marched forward, he knew why he had come to the earth. When this baby grows up, we know the story. On our behalf, he will march toward Calvary with a cross on his back, bloodied and beaten, ridiculed, spit on. And as he marches up that hill, he'll lay down his life for the sins of all people, of all humanity, for God so loved the world that he gave. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's the gift for you and for me. And when Jesus hung up on that cross, from the manger to the cross, and he breathed his last breath, he uttered this phrase, it is finished at just the right moment. Jesus crushed the head of the enemy, disabled the power of sin, and gave us a way back to God. That's the Christmas story. And it's better than a perfect story. It's a true story. It's God's story. And in Jesus, God sent us exactly what we needed right when we needed it the most out of his perfect nature. A God who has perfect intentions, a God who has perfect perspective, and a God who is always right on time. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be unpacking this, God's perfect plan, his perfect purpose, and his perfect gift for humanity. But my goal today was just to bring us to the place where we got into this position where we could receive from the perfect giver. God, you are the perfect giver. So how can we position ourselves? Let me give you three things as we finish up. The first is this, trust. Trust. If we want to position ourselves to receive from God, we have to establish trust. And here's what trusting means. It means that we believe that first truth, that God's intentions for us are perfect. That's what trust is all about. Number two, I would challenge you to do this. Seek humility. Humility. Humility means that we believe that God's perspective is perfect. And if there was ever just a symbol of humility, it's this manger moment. One of my favorite moments of the entire performance that we had yesterday was seeing all these kids on stage and all their costumes. And in this great moment that was just the climax moment, as Jonathan read, they bowed down and they worshiped him to just see all these kids on their knees at the manger. And so let me just bring you to this place this morning. Just in your heart, to just bring you back to your knees at the manger, believing that God's way is the perfect way and just approaching Him with that level of humility. Lastly, I would challenge you to patience. Regardless of what you face this morning, God is good, His intentions are good. But patience means that we believe God is always right on time. And so if you're waiting on something this morning, or you're in a waiting period, let me encourage you to continue to put your your trust in God, but also establish this belief that God is always right on time. He's not needlessly delaying, but he is right on time. So at just the right time, God will bring you everything that you need. Trust, humility, patience. That's how we approach the perfect giver. Let me ask God for these three things as we lean toward Him this Christmas season. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the wonder of Christmas. The wonder that is contained in a quiet manger, a baby. Thank you for this incredible gift. God, bring us to the place in our heart where we can trust you more, trust your intentions fully. Or God, where we can bow down in humility, knowing God that your way is perfect. And God, grant us patience. Knowing God that you are always right on time. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.